0: Good morning. If you're visiting with us today, we're in the Gospel of John. And we've been here for a while. And we just finished the seven I am sayings of Jesus. And today, and and the last one was in John 14. And and today we're going to look at, or John 15, rather. And today we're going to look at the teaching on the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. This is what's called the Upper Room Discourse. It's the night before Jesus dies. He is um, teaching his disciples And he goes into, multiple times, he mentions the Holy Spirit in these three chapters. Now, I want you to be prepared, though. The teaching of the Holy Spirit in Scripture can be imagined this big, okay? We're going to deal with what John says, which is about this big. So I know what some of you are going to do afterwards. You're going to say, hey, how come you didn't talk about this? Well, because we can't do this. We can only do this. Make sense? What does John teach us about the Holy Spirit? And It's amazing. It's amazing that it, you know, sometimes, not sometimes, pretty much always, when I get to study, I get to learn and I'm more blessed than you'll ever be from my studies. As a teacher, um, I learn more than I could ever tell you. And this week has been wonderful on learning about the Holy Spirit, things that I've known, but this week I got to deeply contemplate, so I'm excited about today. So, But we're going to start with a bigger picture here. We're going to start with the ministry of the Trinity in our lives. And I'll explain why in a moment. But first, we're going to ask God to lead us. God, as we're going to learn today, it says your spirit guides us into truth, Father. So do that today through your word. Open up your word to us and um, show us the meaning um, so we can glorify you and live a life that honors you, Father, and how it applies to each aspect of our lives, individually and corporately. So Father, we look forward to see how you're going to work today through your spirit in your word. In Christ's name, we thank you. Amen. So I'm going to start with the Trinity because John does a lot of interplays of of concepts between the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's really beautiful to see. And I want you to see here in John 14, 23. um, Jesus says this, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Who's the We? The Father and the Son will come to Him and make our home with Him. So it's singular, singular to refer to individual. So, love Me, keep My commandments, and we, the Father and Son, will make our home with You. And I'm going to suggest to you the way He does that is the indwelling of His Spirit in you. When His Spirit is in you, and is in every Christian. The Father and the Son also dwell in you. And it's an interesting play in Scripture that we got to keep this idea of the Trinity. I sometimes will draw on a chalkboard when I'm teaching this in a classroom, and I'll draw a peace sign, okay? You know, a circle is broken to three. I say, Father, Son, Spirit. And, And sometimes the lines of the peace line are so hard that you tend to think, oh, these are three very distinct persons, which they are with very distinct ministries, which overlaps. The ministries of the Father, Son, and Spirit overlap greatly. There's three distinct persons within the one Godhead. There's a mystery to it, but it is deeply biblical. And we're going to see John some of that today. So, um, people always say, explain the Trinity. I said, when we get to heaven, maybe God will. (laughs) Today, we can grasp in part, but not in totality. So, anyways. There's an interplay between the Father, Son, and Spirit in the chapters that is fascinating. Um, The Spirit is called the Spirit of Yahweh in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, He's called the Spirit of God. He's called the Spirit of the Father. He's called the Spirit of Jesus. Even one place it says that God will send the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. So the interplay there is between all three members of the Trinity. And we're going to see also that the Father is the one sending the Spirit. Jesus says that specifically, my Father will send the Spirit. Jesus specifically says, I will send the Spirit to you. So then we're going to see that the Spirit, Jesus sends the Spirit to glorify him. It's it's an amazing thing. So, so far in John, we've learned about the Spirit, only a few passages. John chapter 6, Jesus talked about the Spirit and said, it is the Spirit who gives life. He's known as the Spirit of life. We know from the Apostle Paul that you were dead in your sins. Before you came to Jesus, you were dead in your sins. Your sins created a relationship with God where there was no life with God, none whatsoever. It's the Spirit that made you alive. It's the Spirit that opened your eyes to Jesus. the Spirit that changed your heart and gave you a new life. He's the Spirit of life. In John 7, 38-39, actually 37, Jesus says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, that sounds really mystical, doesn't it? Rivers of living water. Living water is a phrase in Israel to refer to a brook that is running. As opposed to a pool that is stagnant. You see, in in the desert, the springs only ran in the summertime, in the springtime. And it was cool and refreshing and life-giving. So the phrase living waters isn't some mystical special phrase. It refers to that thing called life that is possessed in water that we all need. And the best time to drink the water is in the springtime when the cool strings are running. You get me? So here's what Jesus says, though, about this rivers of living water that will flow out of your heart. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as of yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So there's something happening here where well, the Spirit of God is in the community of believers, but there's something significant going to happen after Jesus has been crucified, buried, and raised, and ascended to his Father in glory, and he sends the Holy Spirit. Then what it says here is, is rivers of living water will flow out of your heart, Is a beautiful picture of the Spirit of God and the life he gives you. So let's look at when God will send another helper. That word another is very important today. So I'm going to read to you John 14, chapter 14, 15 to 21. I'm going to read the whole text to you. Then I'm going to come back and explain it. Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And i will ask the father and he will give you another helper what does that imply by the way another correct so who's the other one jesus, jesus is okay because these guys these guys are discouraged they've been with jesus for three years and he's leaving them he tells i'm going away i'm going to die they're discouraged and so he's saying to them start over. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Because Jesus isn't with him forever. And even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will leave you as a, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Let's stop there. No, 21. Whoever keeps my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is all through that, so I'm just going to walk you through it again, and we can pull up on stuff that he develops in chapters 15 and 16. We talked about this last week. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we also learned how you can keep his commandments. How are you empowered to keep his commandments? We learned in Ezekiel 36, verse 27, that in the new covenant, when the spirit of God comes upon you, he empowers you to obey. He opens your eyes. He gives you life. You now love the Lord, and what flows from you is obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I'm going to come back to the word helper in a minute. Another one. So it's with Jesus. Jesus is leaving the earth. The Spirit is coming to never leave you. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. There's a distinct difference now. Please pay attention. A distinct difference between the Old Covenant under Moses and the New Covenant under Jesus. The Old Covenant, the Israelites did not have the full ability to obey God, and that pointed to a great need that we have, a need of a Savior to save us from our sin and enable us to obey. In the New Covenant, the Spirit comes in us, resides in us, happens on Pentecost, and empowers us to live a life honor and glory to the Lord he is with us he's with the disciples then but it's going to be in them and that happens 50 days after Jesus is crucified he's crucified on Passover 50 days later is the celebration of Pentecost the spirit comes and dwells every believer to never leave them and fulfill all that Jesus promised us here and I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you that could be referring to the second coming But in the context, it actually refers to the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers. And with that, do you remember remember the Great Commission? I'm off script now. The Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world. Lo, lo, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he says. Now go into all... I should have it memorized. I've only done this for 43 years. (laughs) Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Spirit. It actually says name once, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And teach them to obey all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. But Jesus is in the right hand of God in heaven. How is he with me? Through the Holy Spirit. The eternal God dwells in me and in you through what we call the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, that's me there too. Two distinct persons. This is that interweaving of the Trinity. Um, if I'm confusing you, I apologize. We will not be orphans. He'll never leave us. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. The Spirit brings life. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them through the power of the Spirit, he it is who loves me. And who loves me will love, be loved my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him through the Spirit, we're going to see. It is the Spirit who teaches us about Jesus. So, very complex. As you read 14 and 15, you'll see all these things woven together. But we have to step back now and ask the question I read to you in verse 16. My father will give you another helper. If I had the time, if we were in a Bible study in a living room, we would compare translations. Don't have time. So I did it. I want you to see this slide. This word helper is translated five different ways in our translations. It is a notoriously difficult word to find a word in English that matches all that Jesus meant in Greek. In Greek, the word is parakletos That's the Greek word. We say paraclete. Uh, some, some teachers will just leave it that paraclete, won't use one of these. So ESV that I'm reading calls him the helper. That, 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 that's a good word. It's a good word. But it, it tends to describe someone subservient to me. The helper works for me. Does the Spirit work for me? no no he, he he works to my benefit does he work for me am i his boss absolutely not so so there's something missing in that word the word advocate which is actually a word the same word Jesus is another helper in second or first john 2:1 one. Jesus says or first john in first john 2:1 John says i write these things to you my children that you might not sin but if you do sin you have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous advocate is someone who defends you and that that implies like a lawyer which which um sometimes we don't have very favorable opinions of lawyers do we Um, that was a little too exuberant over there you know Um, counselor counselor is um marriage counselor camp counselor but this word was translated this way in English long before those were common words a counselor is another word for Lawyer. Comforter, which we tend to see as. I work with Matthew, and every once in a while, Matthew, I had to get him to come and say, Matthew, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) He's laughing at me because he knows that's a bunch of baloney. Um, This is the King James translation. In 1611, when they translated comforter, comforter meant with strength, it comes from the Latin. The come is the, is, the, is the preposition with, and forte, the spirit comes with strength to you. So it, it's a little more connotation than just everything's going to be okay. It's an empowerment. So all these English translations, and the message is going to be your friend. I put that up there. I did this in staff meeting, and, um, and, we, friend, and, and friend is just way too weak, way too weak. So what do we do with this? Another comforter is coming to you, another helper, another counselor, another advocate. So here's what I'm suggesting to you as we think about this the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to live a life of honor before his father, never sinned. He died on the cross as our substitute. He was buried, and then he was raised again as God accepted his sacrifice for our sins and ascended to the right hand of God where he now sits as our advocate. He's an advocate in heaven for us. And when we sin, he represents us to the Father. Jesus' goal for you and for me is our ultimate, full, and final salvation, where we stand before him holy and blameless. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he was raised, and that's why he ascended to God's right hand. Then his Father sends another helper to accomplish the same thing in our life. The Spirit's role is to make us alive. We were dead. He made us alive. And now to work that Christ-likeness in our character through everything that goes on in our lives, all the good times, all the hard times, it's the Spirit of God who is in us, who is bringing that advocacy, that counseling, that helper, whatever word you want to use there, that comfort, that strength, because he's moving me to that day when I stand before Jesus, according to Ephesians, holy and blameless. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It's happening right now, all day, every day. And when we step back and we turn our backs on our Savior, Jesus pulls us back. He's our advocate, and he gave the Spirit to us to be another advocate, another paraclete. This is why it says in John 16, 7, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When we say, if you were to say this, would you rather have Jesus sitting next to you right now and never leave you or the Holy Spirit in you? Which one would you pick? Be honest. (laughs) Michelle, you got to play by the rules. It's a general rule. We, we, are, we are more physicalists. We, we, we want to touch, taste, see, hear, and smell. You know, one child said, you know, when, when the child was fearful and the mother said to the child, don't worry, God is with you. The child says, yeah, but I want someone with skin on. And, and so the idea of Jesus right here. Well, guess what? He is. But he's not right here. He's right here. In me forever and that's greater than Jesus sitting next to me it's hard to believe those are Jesus words okay now let's look at the ministry of the Spirit in our lives we're gonna walk through several paragraphs of John so first the Spirit teaches and reminds us so John 14 25 these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you but the helper The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And peace, or peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. So, application to us. I think we should always pray, God, teach me. And it's interesting, in the scriptures, there's no specific place where someone prays to the Holy Spirit. No, no specific place I have found yet. If you found something, let me know. That someone prays specifically to the Holy Spirit. The early church, though, they came up with as they're thinking through what scripture says about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which then developed what was called the Trinity. They said, "Well, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—all equally God and equally to be glorified." And so, there's no example in Scripture. They say there's nothing wrong with praying to the Holy Spirit. So, most prayers offered to the Father. Some are offered to Jesus. So, the Father, Son, and Spirit are our God. And whatever, when you say God, Father, Son, Spirit, whatever, just pray to God. And ask Him to teach you. He guides you into truth. It specifically says he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, first, let's keep this as a promise to the apostles who are with him at this moment. Jesus has been three years with them. He has taught them, and he has taught them many things. Like, if you've, I've been here now in my fifth year. You remember everything I've said, right? Boy. Liars. I tell you what, I don't remember what I said. Um. Human capacity can't. But what Jesus is saying here is the Spirit's going to come to you, apostles. He's going to lead you in the truth. He's going to teach you. He's going to remind you what I said. There's some beautiful truth to this. He'll bring to your remembrance. So for us personally, this applies to us too, but we must know the Scriptures first. We must have read them. Then he he will bring to memory when we need it. That's to remembrance when we need it. I have a friend named Mike. He, him and I talked the other day. And he had, he had some people come knocking on his door that we would call a cult. I don't want to get into names and slam people. But a cult, that, mystery, that represents who Jesus is. And, and Mike had taken some classes um, at the Bible college for me 10 years ago. And Mike reads his Bible constantly. And he called me he was so excited. He said, Tony, I'm so excited because when they would say something to me, Scripture would flood my mind on what the actual truth was. And I could explain it to them. He goes, I was blown away what came to my memory. Things that I had taught him, things he'd read in Scripture, that he did not have in active memory. But who brought it to his mind? Spirit. Holy Spirit did. So the apostles heard Jesus, didn't remember everything. The Spirit brings it back. If you're reading your Bibles, you can't remember everything. But when you need it, it comes back. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And sometimes you're blown away. I didn't even know I knew that. There's a promise that Jesus gives the apostles that when you stand before kings and they're accusing you and condemning you, don't worry about what you're going to say. Because why? The Spirit will give you the words to say. That's what he does in our lives. So, he teaches us. He brings to remembrance. But Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. The Spirit also is the source and supplier of that peace. We have lack of conflict with God. There is no more in between God and us and no more in between between me and you because of the cross. It is the Spirit who brings that. The Spirit points to Jesus. 15, 26, and 27. When the Helper comes... Whom I will send to you, before it was the Father will send. Now, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will bear witness, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So, in the role of the Trinity, we have the Father planned our salvation. The Son came, walked this earth, and accomplished our salvation. The Spirit, it comes into us and applies that salvation to us. But in that ministry, the Spirit's always pointing to Jesus. He will bear witness about me. And you too will bear witness about me. So if we jump to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, listen to it. Jesus is telling his disciples before he ascends to heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It is the spirit who empowers us to talk about Jesus. Verse 12, 16, 12. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We've talked about that. For he will not speak on his own authority, but will hear what he's but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare To you, the things that are to come. Again, first promise is to the apostles. They wrote scripture down. What God is doing in the future is right here, written by the scripture, written by the apostles, that the Spirit told them. And once again, if if we're here, the Spirit will use that if we're reading our scriptures to show us what's going to happen. I, I don't ever want to doubt the Spirit of God's revelatory ministry in your life individually. Okay, listen to me carefully. This is where we can get into error. The Spirit is in each one of you if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. And part of it is to guide you into truth, to teach you, and how far we put, reveal to you the things to come. The Spirit of God gives the gift of prophecy. So, which isn't just the future, it is about revelation from God, but we have to be very careful. In the Greek, these are all plurals. That he's going to reveal to us the future. He may use an individual, but we have to be careful of is this many errors in church history and many of the cults that have started started with this ah, the spirit of God told me what that means, follow me. And so we have to be careful that this is a community thing. I've told you this a million times, slight exaggeration, that God has given you a brain. He's given you the Bible, he's given you the Spirit of God, and he's given you the people of God. It's in that context that we pursue him and learn from his word. So, so there's always, never have a personal revelation that you claim is ultimate authority when the rest of history is against you and scripture is against you. So God speaks to individuals. But let's remember the context that we all have the Spirit, we all have the Bible, and we all have each other John 16 14 he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you all the father has his mind therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you Jesus is the heart of Christianity he's the heart of Christianity why did Jesus come in John remember when Jesus says um you will know the Father, and I think it's, again, my memory just went bad. Philip said, show us the Father. What'd Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. The Son ascended back to heaven. So if you wanna know what God is really like, get to know Jesus from his word. Jesus ascended back to heaven, sends his spirit to reveal the Son. It's the Spirit's job to point us to Jesus, to tell us who Jesus is. Jesus is the center, centerpiece of Christianity, not to diminish the role the Father, role of the Spirit. But in God's plan, he made Jesus the center point. So that's who we get to know and pursue through the power of the Spirit. It is the Spirit that reminds us that There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but Jesus Christ. The last section, John 16, 5 to 15. I know a lot of information. I feel like I've even confused myself today, so I apologize if you're sitting there going, what in the world is he talking about? The Spirit convicts the world. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Remember, I want him sitting next to me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Look up there. The word sin, righteousness, and judgment. The spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what has the world done to Jesus? The world has convicted Jesus of being a sinner. Convicted Jesus of being unrighteous. And the world has convicted Jesus and and condemned him, judged him. And he's going to kill him on a cross. So those three things the world did to Jesus... But the Spirit's going to come and turn the tables and do that to the world. You have to understand something about the world here now. The world is not referring to this terrestrial ball we stand on. It refers to the human, the human system that is opposed to God. We're referring to people. And who's the God of this world? Satan is. Satan is the one who has the power over the people. And Jesus has come to break that. The Spirit is the one who's going to come and reverse this. So he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. It's the Spirit. When you came to believe in Jesus, it was the Spirit who convicted you of that. Some of you were raised in Christian homes, and it was a little more subtle understanding as you grew in the knowledge of your Savior. For me, it was a very distinct time when I was 20 years old of realizing my sin and turn to Jesus. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you, will no, and you will see me no longer. So Jesus is no longer with him, them, to see what is an example of righteousness. So it, it is the Spirit now who will bring that conviction of what righteousness is. Because Jesus is no longer on earth. It's the Spirit's ministry now to reveal what is righteousness and the fact that the world lacks it. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now that's the ESV, is, present tense. The NIV translates the verb, now stands condemned. In Greek, it's a perfect tense. A perfect tense is an action in the past that has ramifications for the present. So I like the NIV. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world now stands condemned. So even though Satan is still active in this world... His Elena just read us a passage about the devil has been judged. The cross, it's a beautiful irony, devil, the devil wanted Jesus dead, got him crucified. But what did that cross do to the devil? It took his power away completely. Read Colossians chapter two, verses 13 to 15. It. can I say neutered? It neutered Satan. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said it. There is so much more in Scripture the Spirit does for us. So much more. This is what John covers in these chapters, and I didn't cover it all. Francis Chan wrote a book a decade ago called The Forgotten Member of the Trinity on the Holy Spirit. There is some sense where the Holy Spirit his purpose is to point to Jesus. But we need to know who he is and what he does and depend upon him every day. And so it's well worth reading that book, by the way, the, F- the Forgotten Member of the Trinity by Francis Chan and many other books on the Holy Spirit out there and to pursue scripture to see all that he does for you and that without him there is no life. Without him you cannot beat temptation. Without him you can't love God all your heart, soul, and mind. Without him, you can't love your neighbor as yourself. He is the one who has changed us, empowers us, and moves us towards Christ-likeness every moment of every day. We're going to close the message out and move into communion. We're going to keep with this theme. Um, I just want to stop John now and I want to pray. And then move to Ephesians and talk more about the Spirit as it relates to communion. So, Father, thank you for your word today. It just seems I'm quitting a little abrupt here, Father, but what we just learned was your spirit teaches us, guides us into truth, convicts us. We ask for all of that today. That you would do that for us. So enlighten our minds to your word, the truth about your spirit. Teach us, convict us of our sins. Show us what true righteousness is and show us the source of that righteousness is Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and the power of the Spirit in me to pursue it. And I thank you, Father, that the ruler of this world is judged and that my Savior was judged so I wouldn't have to be. Um, boy, help that to sink in deep, Father, Teach one of us we love you. In Christ's name we pray.